This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. We're starting a new series this morning called His Name is Jesus. In the Old Testament, when a person's name was given, it was given because of the event, the circumstance that surrounded it, so the name matched the circumstance. Or it was given because of the destiny of the person in hopes of what that person would become. Or it was given in somehow an interpretation of the the quality or the character of that person. So the names of the Old Testament, right up until the time of Christ, those names all had very much a significance to the name. Even the apostles, their name, if you would study each one of their names, would speak somewhat about their personhood. We're going to talk about the name Jesus. Why the name was given. What does it mean? How significant is the name of Jesus? There are many different names used to describe the Messiah. From the Old Testament through to the New Testament, there's hundreds of descriptions about Jesus. It's called the Lamb of God. Lion of the tribe of Judah, the morning star, cornerstone. He's the Christ. He's the bread of life. Uh, He's the true vine. He's the true word. Uh, He's the captain of our salvation. I mean, there's all titles and names that try to describe this one person that we're going to be talking about, the person, Jesus. But in the New Testament, it's interesting. 1,200 times. The name Jesus is used 1,200 times, 500 in the Gospels. It slam dunks all the other names. They chose the name Jesus over all descriptions, all other names. Some of the names are mentioned like one time or two times or three times or five times. But the name Jesus is hundreds of times. Simple. So simple that in almost every language, you can recognize it when people pray it. You can recognize it when people say it. You can recognize it when people sing it. In all different cultures, the name Jesus has somewhat of a feel to it. Even when people get angry, they don't say, oh, Buddha. They say, Jesus. (laughs) Why would they grab the name Jesus instead of all the other names they could grab, because Jesus represents the highest form of character, integrity, and power. And so you choose that particular name because that's the name that can maybe describe your emotion for the moment or your prayer for the moment. People that don't know Christ at all would cry out in a time of crisis, Jesus, not even knowing what the name means. Not knowing they are to pray that name in faith at all. They're just using that because they know there's something in the name Jesus. So they cry it out or they swear it out. But the fact is, it's so important to people, it comes right out of them. It's a very, very significant name. His name is Jesus. What does it mean and why is it so significant? All right, here's my first definitive slide. His name is Jesus. God's only Son, the Savior of my soul, 
Everlasting, always loving, never failing, strong in every storm, our healer, redeemer, his name is Jesus. You can take that down if you like. We're talking about a very concise definition of Jesus. That Jesus, well, a whole series could go on that one, God's only son. Miracle birth, nobody ever born like him, God's son. That he is the savior of my soul. There are no other saviors. There are no other saviors. Only one name saves. Only one person has the right to use that name because of who he was, the event of his life, the quality of his character, the sinlessness of his nature. He had the right to use the name Jesus, which means Savior. Savior. So when you cry out, Jesus, you're crying out, Savior. You're my Savior. Save me from my sin. Save me from myself. Save me from my circumstance. Save me, save me. You're crying out the name Savior. So Jesus being my Savior, he's an everlasting Father. He is the Redeemer and Healer. All that comes into that name, Jesus. So many hymns have been written about the name. Countless. Hundreds. When I was raised in church, as a youngster, I can still remember Jesus is the sweetest name I know. That hymn. Later on, I remember some of the choruses because there's been literally hundreds of choruses about the name. But the one chorus I remember so emotionally was that Jesus, 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 Master, Savior, fragrance after the rain. That name. If I start singing it, some of you who would remember it would immediately begin to sing with me. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about that name. Master, Savior. Like the fragrance after the rain. There's something about saying the word Jesus, singing the word Jesus, shouting the word Jesus. Even in a time of, of fear or crisis to, to grab the name of Jesus and say there's something in that name that's not in any other name. The name Jesus. Let all heaven and earth proclaim kings and kingdoms shall pass away. But there's something about that name. One little chorus I remember, and I used to use it a lot before I preached. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Why? Because the Bible tells me so. It's so simple. But it hits it right on the target. Most people don't feel love. Many people don't. Some people struggle with identity and love and acceptance their whole life. It is the one root that they cannot solve. You can't love yourself to wholeness. Someone else has to love you to wholeness. 
And that someone is Jesus, that someone that loved you the way you are, like no one else can love you when everyone else walks out, when everyone else forsakes, when everyone else thinks that you're a dead end, when everyone else is talking about you, when everyone else lets go, or in the hour of loneliness or darkness in your life, there's one person who never lets go, there's one person who never backs up, there's one person who always loved you. His name is Jesus. 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 In that moment... You cry out that name. And it's amazing. With the name comes the presence. When you pray in the name of Jesus, something happens because there's, there's something in the name. There's something in the, the gateway, the power, the access that that name gives you. It's, it's that name that when that name is spoken in heaven, all of heaven stops. No one gets around the name when they hear it and does their business, they stop. Key scripture, Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Therefore God, this is the Apostle Paul, after the resurrection of Christ, after Christ is now in heaven, after when they were preaching Jesus who had lived and died, rose from the dead and entered into heaven. This is afterward. This is what Paul says about his name. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name. The name, which is above every name. At the name of Jesus. Wow. Every knee shall bow. Those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth. Those under the earth? Understand heaven and on. Who's under? Even they bow to that name? Everything has a name. Every disease has a name. And when you hear the name, diabetes, cancer, whatever the name of that disease or the crisis, divorce, death, accident, you hear the name, problem, relationship problem. Even if you hear a person's name that you have a problem with, a father, a mother, a brother, a sister, a friend, a boss, someone's name that just sends something through you because that name represents all the stuff that comes with that name. If you've ever suffered from one of the diseases I'm talking about right now, like cancer, diabetes, or any other kind of muscle disorder, or mental disorder, or emotional disorder, or dysfunctionality, or there's a thousand names in the medical encyclopedia to describe thousands of different activities that go on the human body and the emotion and the mind. When you hear the name, it can send shock and fear and stop you in your tracks. Because that thing was a bondage to you. That thing was, was ruining your life. That thing changed your personality. That, that is something that invaded your own personal world and it did something to you that you could not stop. I just want you to know that every name, every name of every disease, every dysfunctionality, everything that can evade your life has to bow to the name of Jesus. Every name should never bring the fear and all that that name represents, you got to go to the higher name that every other thing bows to. The name of Jesus. Paul says, 
every name will bow. All rulers, all political parties, all philosophies, all people that have whatever they think about life, everything bows to the simplicity of this name, Jesus. Jesus. Something about that name. Something about that name. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born incarnation, humanity. Unto us a son is given, deity, everlasting, no beginning, no end. Child was born, son was given, son has always been, son was eternal, son was with the father before incarnation. And so the prophet prophesies, unto us a child is born, incarnation, but a son is given, deity. The government will be upon his shoulders and his name will be called, and these are just a few of the dozens and dozens and dozens. Wonderful. Means he, he does surprises. He, he works surprises. Wonderful things. Counselor means he has wisdom for every situation. Mighty God. Powerful. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That means he rules all realms of peace. He's the prince, the ruler of peace. And because that's his essence, he can give peace in any situation because he rules peace. Isaiah's prophesying 750 years prior to the writing of the Gospel of Matthew where we actually see the given of the name. I want you to put down now Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Also with this, Matthew 1, 21 says, and you shall call him Jesus. His name shall be. So the angel says to Joseph, here's his name. Now, according to tradition, Joseph should have called Jesus Joseph. He should have been the number one son named after the father. But the angel says, you will call his name Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us, is a title, Jesus the name. He says, you will call his name Jesus and in the dream it says, because by his name you will be saved from your sin. So his name shall be Jesus. When he was born, Joseph said his name is Jesus. So now Jesus is born. Jesus bears the name. Jesus bears the quality. And I want to just take up the one for a moment. Mighty God. Mighty God. Mighty God. My definition, mighty God, is all-powerful, taken from the Hebrew word, and then forcing, not forcing, but mingling the Webster's and the Hebrew and everything together just to get one simple definition. Mighty God is all-powerful, a force, unlimited authority, unlimited influence, unrestrained. Infinite in power. When we talk about Jesus being mighty God, we're talking about that particular attribute in the Jesus that we worship and the Jesus we serve. The Lord Jesus Christ had unlimited, unrestrained, infinite power, even though he was restrained by his human body during the 33 years because he couldn't be everywhere at the same time omnipresent. 
He was omniscient. He knew everything about everybody before anybody would tell him. He was omnipotent. His power could work in any situation. But he was not omnipresent in that he was limited by his body and a submission to the human body, but all the attributes were present there. So when we talk about Jesus, we're talking about a person who was mighty indeed, mighty in character, mighty in sacrifice, the mighty Christ we serve, omnipotent God, nothing in him would only reside in the limitation of his flesh because he would become the resurrected Christ and would not be limited by anything with, to do with the human body. He would become the Jesus, not of Israel, but of the world. He would become the Jesus of all prayers being prayed everywhere, not just the prayers that were prayed to him during his earthly time when he would touch the widow or touch the lame man or touch the blind eyes or touch the deaf ears. He would now become Jesus of all planet Earth, Jesus of everything everywhere at the same time, omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient, Jesus, mighty God, mighty God. When I understand that Jesus is mighty God, there are nine Jesus is mighty God life changes I want you to write down. And I want you to let the beginning of this particular series take root in you about Jesus you serve, the name of Jesus, the power of Jesus. When I understand that he has the unlimited, unrestrained, awesome power, here's nine small little life changers that I put to work. Number one, because Jesus is the mighty God, I will enlarge my prayers. Mark eleven twenty four. I tell you, you can pray for anything. Now, I want you just to listen to the scriptures as if you've never heard them before because there are people that theologically come against the scripture and commentators that try to balance the scripture. And I've read all that. So, okay, I know the other side of the faith mind and the other side of the, the academic mind, the other side of these theologians that are taking this and saying, but he didn't mean that. I just want you to say, uh, or listen to him, I just want to say, he did mean what he said. I don't know what he meant. All right, he did mean exactly what he said, but I don't know how to interpret what he said because I end up interpreting this verse by my experience, not by the word he speaks. So Jesus comes along and he says, Frank, I want you to pray this way. Okay, Jesus, I got it. Mark eleven twenty four. I tell you, you can pray for anything well, you don't mean anything. What you actually mean, Jesus, is the things that really, just what it says. You can pray for anything, and if you believe, you'll receive it, and it will be yours. Amen. Now, I would like to walk away with Mark eleven twenty four, and simply say to my prayer life, okay, prayer life, you're going to align to the mighty God, the mighty Jesus, who is unlimited in power, who is awesome in deeds, wondrous in his works, who can do anything. Nothing is impossible with him. So I'm going to lift my prayer life, and I'm going to start praying for anything and everything and believing, and I'm going to believe for all these things. And whatever you want to give me, I know you will give me, but at least I'm going to go there. Hallelujah. But what happens is because we have 
limited power, limited knowledge, limited answers to prayer, limited faith, limited, 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 limited. We are the limited addition. And because of that, we begin to limit our prayers. And I think what Jesus is saying, Frank, I want you to shake off and not try to interpret everything you should pray for. I just want you to pray for everything. Message translation, that's why I urge you to pray for absolutely everything ranging from small to great. Include everything as you embrace this God life. And you'll get God's everything. I like that translation. And you'll get God's everything. Matthew 21, 22. Whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. It doesn't just say this once. Matthew 7, 7. Ask, it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. But you know what happens when I ask and I don't get and I seek and I don't find and I knock and the door doesn't open. I quit knocking. I quit seeking and I quit praying. And then I turn into a reasoning Christian. I reason my life. I pray safe prayers. I know that I shouldn't believe for that. I know that I shouldn't pray for that. That's too big. That's too huge. Oh, that would be unbelievable. How many times do we say that? That would be unbelievable if that would happen. So I won't pray for it. It's too unbelievable. Oh, that would be huge. So I'm going to go to small because I don't usually get huge. I'm the limited edition. I'm the small edition. I'm the reasonable edition. Can I just say to you, in the name of Jesus, become the impossible edition. Become the, the people that pray for anything and everything. Why? Because we serve a mighty God. We do not serve the God of man. We don't serve the philosophy of men. We don't serve what people can do. We serve what God can do. As soon as you let go of that piece, you go backwards. Luke 11, verse 9, I say to you, ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Matthew 18, 19, I say to you, uh, to you if you agree with anyone on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them. Whoa. Well, you know what? That's not exactly what it means. What it actually means, just read it. John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. But you know, your desires have to be purified. Your desires have to be under the control of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And your desires can't be outside the will of God. And your desires have to be totally burned through because your desires are probably bad desires. And they're, and they're the desires that God doesn't even want to honor. And I get that. I get that. You don't pray that your lusts will be fulfilled. But most of us are not going to pray that anyway. Why don't you just pray what's really in your heart? What do you desire God to do in your life? What do you desire God to do in your future? What is the desire? Bring that desire up, and even though it might look huge and impossible, begin to pray your desire before God. Because who knows? God might do it. Who knows? Gabriel and Michael and all the angels might get on your side and say, let's help this happen. This is huge. This is big. This is a problem. We love to get involved with stuff like this. Who knows? John 16, 23, and in that day you will ask me. And I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, 
mean, Jesus, what do you mean by this? He will do it for you. Wow. 1 John 5, 14. If we ask anything according to his will, well, the will is the word, the word is the will, the will is the word, the word is the will. Read the Bible, pray the Bible. He hears us. All right, that's number one. Number two. Number two. Come on, every, everyone shout out, Jesus. Jesus. One more time. Jesus. Take your hands, put them on your mind, your head, and just say, Jesus, Jesus. Help, me. help me. Think different. Think different. Come on, put them on your heart. Just say, Jesus, Jesus. Help, me. help me. Feel different. Feel different. In Jesus' name. Number two, because Jesus is the mighty God, I will enlarge my faith. I'll enlarge my faith. Revelation 15, 3, they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and, and, Revelation 15, 3, the song of the Lamb. What is the song of the Lamb? That's our song. Song of the Lamb's our song. Saying, great and marvelous are your works. This is our song. That's what Revelation 15, 3 says. Great and marvelous are your works. Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. When you begin to pray in the name of Jesus, believe in the name of Jesus, take Revelation 15, 3, and begin to see the great and marvelous works of Lord God Almighty. He's not just a sleeping Jesus. He's not just Jesus in the manger. He's not just Jesus floating in the clouds. He's not just the Jesus of peace. He is Lord God Almighty. And being that, he gets involved. Number three, because Jesus is the mighty God, are you ready for this? I will do everything he tells me. Now, when you have a relationship to Jesus, trust me, trust the Bible, he will ask you to do some things that look to other people foolish, look to other people weird. Even lifting your hands and praying is weird to some people, or going to church is weird, or giving your money to the church, or doing something with your gifts is weird. Or when you say to someone, well, I received a prophecy, you received a what? A, a prophecy. Well, what's a prophecy? It's, a, it's, a, a, it's, it's when a person, person kind of speaks over your life and tells you what's going to happen in the future. You believe someone can tell you what's going to happen in the future? Ah, ah, ah. Yep, I do. It is foolish to some. But whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. John chapter 2, that's the words of his mother. His mother said to his servants, whatever he says to you, you boys do it. Jesus said to them in verse 7, fill the water pots with water. That was 180 gallons of water. This was no small task. 180 gallons of water. And then he said to them, fill them to the brim. You know how hard it is to carry gallons of water that is filled to the brim? It's a difficult task, and you might just say, I'm not going to fill it to the brim because, I mean, what's with the brim? You're going to lose some of it anyway. It's too heavy. I think I'll fill you got to do exactly what he says. Why? Because as you do it, a miracle is in the making. And if 
You fill the water pots only half or three quarters. That's the nature of the miracle that's coming your way. Instead of a brimful overflow miracle, you have a half pot miracle. Half pot. Well, I shouldn't even use the word pot. <laughs> Redeem the word. Dumb Oregonian. Dumb Washington people passing stupid laws. Okay, so you're supposed to feel and do whatever he tells you to do because one word from his lips turns water into wine, turns what is natural into supernatural, and you're ready for it to happen. Number four, because Jesus is the mighty God, I will see miracles supply. Interesting. Matthew 17 to me is just the most humorous and interesting and insightful story. I thought about just preaching on that story today because it's just so delicious to me. And it's such a, 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 a funny little story because Peter is asked, does your master pay taxes? Peter says, of course he does. Peter comes in and Jesus puts his arm over the door and says, hey Peter, what were you telling him that for? Do you not understand that I am the Lord of? And he starts doing a thing. But nevertheless, he says, nevertheless, Peter, you, you don't get it half the time anyway. That's what he's saying. Half the time, Peter, you're kind of Peter. <laughs> Cutting ears off, you know, sinking, you know, rebuking Jesus. Can you imagine taking Jesus by his shoulders and shaking him? You're not going to the cross. Well, what about redemption for mankind? Not with you. I mean, Peter didn't always get it right. But Jesus says, but, so we don't offend anybody. This is what I want you to do. Now listen to the language. He says to Peter, I want you to go down to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the first fish that comes up, and there will be money in its mouth. How many of you would have gone down to the sea? No, I'm, I'm not. You, you can't raise your hand yet. Peter is a fisherman. He has caught hundreds and thousands of fish. He's a man of the water. He's a man of the sea. He's a man of the hook. He's a man. He knows exactly what to do with fishing. And sometimes Jesus sends you into your most familiar territory to receive the greatest miracles. He understood fishing. And Jesus says, Peter, we're going to pay the taxes, okay? Okay, Jesus, how are we going to do it? I want you to go cast a hook. Come on, Jesus, this is a little funny. And the first fish, now, Jesus, by word of knowledge, knew the fish had the coin and knew where the fish would be at that moment, and Peter had to exercise divine timing because it had to be that exact fish. So he says, take the first fish. You got to go right now because that first fish is on its way to your hook. So go do it right now. So they see Peter. Peter, what are you doing? Um, fishing. Well, you don't usually use a hook. You're a net people. Uh, today I'm just doing a hook thing. <laughs> well, what for? Because there's a there's a money fish coming. <laughs> Can you imagine sharing your testimony? A money fish? Yeah, yeah, a fish that has. Money in its mouth. Wow. 
Up comes the fish. And then it, Jesus says you have to open it. In the Greek, it, you have to pry it. You have to dig it out. Can you imagine people watching? What are you doing? I'm opening the mouth of the fish. Why? Because there's something in it. There's nothing. Peter, what is wrong with you? And then there was this coin enough to pay for two people's taxes. One silver coin. He pulls it out. I just want to say to you, whatever he says, do it. And if he sends you into your familiar ground and he tells you to cast a hook and open the fish's mouth, believe that God can create a silver coin in the most unbelievable familiar places that other people have gone over and over and over again. But when you go, there's a miracle. Amen. There's a miracle. If you serve a mighty God, which we do, what I'm saying it's not difficult to comprehend. Number five, because Jesus is the mighty God, I will not let trouble discourage me. Nehemiah 9.32, now therefore our God, the great, the mighty, the awesome, who keeps covenant. Now this is Nehemiah's stance. And then he says, because he's great. Nehemiah 9.32, because he's great, because he's awesome. Do not let the trouble seem small before you that has come upon us our kings and our princes, our priests and our prophets, our fathers and all the people from the days of the kings of Assyria until now, he begins to instruct them how to bring the problem into perspective. Number six, because Jesus is the mighty God, I'll win the battles that I face. I'll win. I go in with a winner attitude. I will win this battle. Psalm 24, verse 8. Who is this king of glory? His name is Jesus. The Lord strong, and here's the word again, and mighty. The Lord were mighty in battle. If you're in a battle right now, begin to cry out the name Jesus. If you've been treated unfairly, cry out the name Jesus. Whatever your battle is, and we could go into all kinds of different battles we all have, I want you to believe that Jesus will let you be the victor in the battle because he's mighty in battle. Don't give up too soon. Don't give in. Don't push it away. Don't begin to get so discouraged you can't really stand your ground and begin to cry the name Jesus. Speak Jesus against the opposition. Speak Jesus against the, the enemy that's coming in. Be, begin to dig in. Even though it might sound feeble, the name Jesus, every knee bows. Things happen. The earth moves. The heavens move. There's power in the name of Jesus. Power. Number seven. Because Jesus is the mighty God, I will see my mountains move. Zechariah 4, 6 and 7. So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord, is rubable, not by might, my might, not by power, my power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you should become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace. Grace. Zechariah 4, verse 6 and 7. Grace. Cry, cry out grace to the mountain. Hmm. Number eight. Because Jesus is the mighty God, I'll exchange my weakness for his strength. I will do it daily. Isaiah 40, 29. He gives power to the weak. Interesting wording, Isaiah 40, 29. And to those who have no might, he increases their strength. Why? Because he's mighty. He's got the strength. Ephesians 6 and verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord 
and in the power of his might. Ephesians 6.10. Ephesians 3.16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might. Ephesians 3.16. Through his spirit in the inner man. There's, there's might for you. If you're weary and well-doing, if you've been drained with your trials, if, if you've been knocked around, if you just had a dry time, if, if you've had some unanswered prayers and some mountains too big and nothing's been moving, I want to say to you today, be strong in the power of His might. Be strong in the power of His Spirit. Be strong in the name of Jesus. And begin to bring in that supernatural strength. You will move your mountain, you will overcome, and you will finish the race in Jesus' name. Number nine, the last one. Because Jesus is the mighty God, I will see healing. I will see healing. Stretch out your hand to be healed in the name of Jesus. Acts 3 and verse 6, And Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. Acts 3 and verse 6, In the name of Jesus, rise and be healed. Acts 4 verse 30, By stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And his name, Acts 3.16, and his name through faith, through faith in his name, has made this man strong. This is Peter talking about the lame man. Has made this man strong, whom you see right here, right now. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. But it wasn't in our name. That's what he's explaining. It wasn't in our name. It was in the name of Jesus. And that's how he's being made strong right now in front of you. We're not preaching our own name. We're preaching the name of Jesus. But in his name. In his name. I believe there are miracles to happen to people today that are listening to my words. I believe that in the name of Jesus, people will be healed right now today. I believe in the name of Jesus, mountains will be moved. And those things that have seemed like the name that has crushed you, the name of a disease or the name of a person or the name of a circumstance or a name of a mindset or a dysfunctionality, whatever that name is, I'm going to call upon the name of Jesus and I'm going to say every name that has harassed us will have to bow to the name of Jesus. Where there is no healing right now, I believe there can be healing. Jesus is a healer. Marshall.